Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see you. What a good-looking group. A lot of familiar faces, some that we haven't seen in a while, others I've never seen before. But it's so good to see you here at Celebration of Life Church. You know, we named this, this church Celebration of Life Church because that's exactly what we do here. We celebrate life because of Jesus. You know, it's, it's, a, a, it's a sad thing to be in this world without him. I know from whence I speak. I know what it's, like to be, what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to be a partier. I was just thinking about how driving home one night after a, another all-nighter, snorting cocaine. Yeah, this guy was, I snorted cocaine. I was a partier. And I'm driving home and I just cry out. I cried out to him. I didn't know what was going to happen. But what happened is he came running to me. In the condition I was in. I didn't have to straighten my life up. That was his job. And he's done a really good job. And now here I am, a preacher. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> God is so good. God is so good. You need to know that he loves you. I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Probably somebody in this room done something worse. I know I can raise my hand. I did some sorry things when I was younger. I just got back from Texas, and while I was there in Texas with my family, uh, my youngest sister's husband asked, okay, tell us what happened when you lived on Post Oak Drive there in Baytown, Texas. And they all kind of sat there silent and not saying anything. And so then I said, okay, I'll start sharing. And I started sharing stories of my younger days. And if only you could have heard some of the things I did. I'm not, I actually told some people that today. One of the things I did when I was younger. But the bottom line is this. God can take a sorry rascal like me and do a major change in me. And you know why? Because he loves me. He loves me. And I tell you what, that love has got me through so many times in my life where I didn't think I measured up. I knew he loved me. I knew he would never leave me nor forsake me. He's always been there for me. He always will be there for me. And so when it comes time to worship him, I worship him. I'm not playing church. This is reality to me. It's so good to be able to come together as a church body and worship Jesus Christ the king of kings my king amen? amen glory to god well we're going to take up our tithes and offerings now if you need an offering envelope for your giving please slide a hand up um one of the things about our god and i'm probably everybody in here whether christian or not have heard the scripture in john 3 16. and this is probably the heart of god that most people don't fully understand or comprehend the bible says for god so loved the world you could put your name there for God so loved Daniel Greenewald that he gave his only begotten son that because Daniel believed in him he now has everlasting life the point I'm trying to get at as far as our tithes and offerings are concerned the greatest act God ever demonstrated to us as far as his love was concerned is he gave that's what he's all about his love gives the love of the world wants 
give me. I want you. I will love you if. I will love you if you measure up. But that's not God's love. God loved me when I was still snorting cocaine, still getting drunk, still partying, still brawling, doing all the stupid stuff. He loved me back then. And he still loves me today. But I'm telling you what, my revelation of that continues to grow day by day, every week, every month, every year. That's who my God is. He is love. Did you hear that? God loves us. And so when it comes time for us to take up tithes and offerings, this isn't a religious practice that we're doing. This is something that what we're doing is imitating our father. We're sowing into a church that believes in giving away blessings to other churches and ministries that are preaching the gospel all over this world. We have, we have seed in the ground. We've, 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 we've given monies to churches in Russia, to churches in Turkey. Don't say that one. I'm not supposed to tell about that one. It's a secret underground church. Other places in this world, I mean, one particular ministry, uh, he goes to all over the place. I can't even think of some of Pakistan and huh? Vietnam. Vietnam, India, Nepal, all over the place. Anyway, uh, we have supported his ministry for years. And it, it, it's just, uh, why do we do that? Because we're imitating our father. We're giving as he gave. We're demonstrating like he demonstrated his love. We're demonstrating our love. Because, see, we believe in Jesus. We know that this is what the world needs. The world needs to experience his love as we have experienced his love. And the way we do that is through our giving. Amen? Well, hold your offerings up. Oh, can I share one more thing real quickly? Uh, I went out to get the, uh, the mail down here, and there was an envelope with a check in it. And this uh, particular individual, you know, I'm not trying to be mean if you're watching right now, but I have no clue who it is. But this is what he wrote. He says, your church has recently come to my mind. I enjoyed visiting last August while working in Montana. And he sent a check to us. And I don't know, Thomas, thank you. Praise the Lord. Just money comes from all over. Glory to God. When you're doing the will of the Lord, God's going to see that that ministry keeps going. Reaching more for Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, hold your offerings up and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings into this, this holy church, this place you've established for such a time as this. We fully believe, Lord God, that this church is blessed and we're blessed to be a blessing. These people are blessed and we're blessed to be a blessing. Lord God, it is our heart's cry to continue to be used by you, to send the offerings all over this world to places, to churches, to ministries that are preaching the gospel and bringing in this end-time harvest because we believe the days are short and that Jesus is coming back soon. And so we're going to do our part, glory to God, and we're going to make sure that everything, needs to get, that everything that needs to get done gets done. So again, we call our harvest in right now in Jesus' name. We bind you, Satan, off of the finances of these people in the name of Jesus. And we loose the ministering spirits to go forth and cause our finances to come in. We give you praise and glory for this now in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, say amen. amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, children. Nope. You want to say something? Okay, come on up. This is my wife, Joan Elizabeth. For those who don't know, when you start to live for God, 
you can marry up. <laughs> Whoops. I guess in a way she kind of, never mind. Hello, hello. Um, just as we were worshiping the Lord, I felt so impressed to tell you, maybe it was a family member who invited you today, or maybe you got one of our little cards, or you just thought this is a thing that people do on Easter. But I want you to know it's not by accident that you're here. That's right. The Spirit of God is pouring himself out in these last days, and he had you on his mind today. This is a divine appointment. That's right. So as you sit here today, don't think of it as, oh, I did my thing for Easter. Now I'll wait till Christmas. <laughs> think of it as this was a personal invitation from the living God who loves you and died on the cross, yeah. buried and went to hell and rose again so that each and every one of us could live. He loves you. And just receive the message that he has for you with an open heart because it's not by accident. Amen. amen. And everybody said amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, children, you may go to your class. My wife and my daughter are going to be handling this. Praise the Lord. We got candy. Oh, am I supposed to say that? We got gifts. Are we supposed to say that? Oh, well, now they know. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, thank you for coming out. It's good to have you guys. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. You know, usually if, if for those who come to this church regularly, they know that I'm not a stand behind the pulpit kind of guy. But uh, I'm going to be behind the pulpit a lot today because I have a message. I believe it's straight from the heart of God to you. For those of you who are already born again, it should encourage you all the more to live for Jesus. For those who may not know him yet, this should be the thing that opens your eyes to see how much he loves you because of the great price he paid for you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. We do believe that your will is going to happen in this place today, not mine. Your will be done. May the name of Jesus be lifted high. May the precious blood of Jesus be honored. And we open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, as our teacher, to lead us and guide us into the truth now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. That means so be it. Well, turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. This Easter morning, I want to take us on a journey. A journey back in time to the, to, to the place where Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. This Easter morning, I want to talk about what they did to my Jesus. What they did to my Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39, it says, Coming out, he, Jesus, went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And... He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Now notice verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, 
Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So here in the Garden of Gethsemane over 2,000 years ago, the physical passion of the Christ begins. As Jesus prayed, the word tells us his sweat became like great drops of blood. What's interesting to note here is the only one to mention this in the four Gospels is the doctor of the group, Dr. Luke. Now, many have tried to explain away that phrase, that his sweat became like great blood drops, great drops of blood. Apparently because they failed to understand that this is an actual physical condition. It's called uh, hematitrosis. Doctors, nurses, did I even come close on that one? No. All right. <laughs> Bloody sweat. I got that one right. <laughs> what happens is, is when a person is under great turmoil and stress, tiny capillaries in the sweat glands burst. And it mixes with the sweat, and, and as a result, a person is sweating blood. And that's what actually happened here with Jesus. Now, this kind of makes me wonder, what caused him to be in so much turmoil and stress that his sweat became blood? Now, for many, they would answer it because he knew the physical pain and suffering that he was preparing to go through. But what so many don't understand is that so many of his disciples, as well as many other Christians down through the years, have gone through far worse things than what Jesus went through physically. Some of his disciples were crucified upside down, which is a far worse way of dying. Others were uh, uh, put on spikes. Others were uh, uh, fed to lions. I mean, it was crazy the kind of things that others who followed after Jesus went through. And that, what we have to understand, oh, another thing that was, uh, that many of them were thrown into the, to the Colosseum, and the lions ate them, literally ate them. Could you imagine that kind of a setting, just because you serve Jesus Christ? We're living for him. And the Apostle Paul actually tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he received 40 stripes minus one, just like Jesus did except for five times. He also was beaten with rods three times. A lot of times people don't understand what that means. That was a type of torture that was, they would take a metal rod and beat them across their feet. And most of the time they weren't able to walk after that. And then he, the apostle Paul was stoned and left for dead. Many believe that he died at that time when he was stoned. And that's when he went up to heaven, was showed paradise up there. So was it really the physical suffering that caused Jesus to sweat blood? Is that what brought him such anguish? Well, I believe it probably played a part in it. But I believe it was much more than that. I believe that Jesus, when Jesus prayed to his father, Father, if it is your will, please remove this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. I believe right after he prayed that prayer, he took the cup and all that it contained, and he willingly drank it. So what was in the cup? What was in that cup? Every sin that you and I and every other person walking the face of this planet 
all of our sins were in that cup. In other words, he who had never sinned became sin with our sins. And he took upon himself everything else that entered this world because of sin. Sickness and disease, poverty and lack, bondages, corruption, everything evil. Yes, even death. And because of this, his spirit was in such turmoil that his sweat became his blood. Shortly after this, at this time of praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, the soldiers arrived to arrest him, led by the traitor Judas. Now, I want you to see something that occurred in the Gospel of John when they all showed up. Here, go to, with me to John 18 if you have your Bibles, or just look up here, please. It says in verse 3, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Many believe... You know, a lot of times when they show these kind, this, this, this occurrence on a television show or in a movie, there's a handful of soldiers that show up. But in reality, they believe that it was probably hundreds, if not even a thousand soldiers showed up for one man. Thank you, Jesus. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests of Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Now, if your Bible is like mine, the word he is italicized, which means the translators added the, that word to make it uh, 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 easier to understand. So when Jesus replied to them, he replied to them, I am. I am. He was actually identifying himself as the way God had identified himself to the Israel people. I am. I am. I am. The great Jehovah God. And Judas, now notice what happens next. Judas who portrayed him also stood with him in verse 6. Now when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Picture this in your mind now. Not a handful of people, hundreds, hundreds of soldiers showing up. Jesus says, I am. Boosh. They all fall back. Friends, they came in contact with the power of Almighty God. Mm -mm -mm. And it literally knocked them to the ground. Now, why did this happen? Now, I want you to get this. I believe it happened to show those soldiers and the religious people of that day, they weren't taking Jesus by force. He was giving himself up as the sacrificial lamb of God. Did you hear that? So after the arrest in the middle of the night, Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin in Caiaphas, the high priest. And it was here that the first physical trauma was inflicted. Mark 14, you can look up here. Mark 14, beginning in verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? 
But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power, coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned Jesus to be uh, deserving of death. Verse 65. Then some began to spit upon him, spit on him, to blindfold him, to beat him, to say to him, prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. How could they do that to my Jesus? Now the next morning, Jesus battered and bruised dehydrated and exhausted from a sleepless night, was taken across Jerusalem to stand before Pontius Pilate. And after some questioning, Pilate found no wrong with him, nothing wrong with him. But because of the cries of the mob, instead of releasing Jesus, he released Barabbas, who was actually a criminal, deserving of what he was getting. And Jesus was condemned to be scourged and crucified. Now, before I get into this next part, I want to say something about myself. Probably one of the biggest things in my life that kept me from turning to Jesus way back then was because I always thought that Jesus was a wimp. Isn't that crazy? I mean, come on. He's not a man's man. I had no idea about what he went through for me. I had no clue of how horrible and how horrendous the physical onslaught was to him. Friends, there was and there never will be a man like Jesus. He was truly a man's man. So the preparations for the scourgings, scourging were made ready and Jesus was stripped of his clothes. You've got to get this in your mind. His hands were tied to a post above his head. And that's when a Roman soldier picked up a flagrum which is a small whip, uh, whip consisting of several heavy thong, leather thongs with a small balls of lead or bones tied at the end of them. And then it began. The heavy whip was brought down with full force across Jesus' shoulders, back, and legs. 39 times he was mercilessly beaten. At first, the heavy thongs cut through the skin only. But as the blows continued, they cut deeper and deeper, causing greater blood loss and greater injury. His back, his shoulders, and his legs were nothing more than an unrecognizable mass of torn flesh. Have you ever seen The Passion of the Christ? You know that that movie was uh, criticized because it was so bloody. That's what Jesus went through. Many a person who was beaten or whipped with that kind of whip 39 times did not survive. They literally died because of that whipping. How could they do that to my Jesus? How could they do that to my Jesus? Friends, the Bible says by his stripes, we were healed. I don't know about you, but if Jesus did that for me, he took those stripes from me, 
that I'm going to refuse sickness and disease in my body. Now, I'm not saying that the symptoms won't try to come, because they will. We live in a fallen world. But I refuse to allow it to stay, because by whose stripes I was healed. Amen. So then Jesus was untied from the whipping post and allowed to slump to the stone pavement, wet with his own blood. And it was from there that the Roman soldiers began to mock and ridicule Jesus. Mark 15, beginning in verse 16. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head. Know that that crown of thorns, the thorns are about that long. And when it came down on his head, friends, it be, his forehead, as well as around his head, began to bleed all the more. Have you ever cut yourself on your forehead? It really begins to bleed up there. That's what was thrust down upon Jesus' head. They put it on his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. Bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off of him, put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Have you ever been spit upon, spit upon by somebody? Have you ever had somebody spit on you before? Not accidentally. I'm talking about for real. I tell you what, that set me off. I've had that happen to me. That set me off. And they were spitting on Jesus over and over and over again. How could they do that to my Jesus? So they took a crown of thorns, thrust it upon his head. They hit him with a rod. They spat upon him, and they mocked him over and over again. How could they do that to my Jesus? Now the cross arm of the cross was tied across the shoulders of Jesus. And the procession of the condemned Christ, along with the other two criminals that were to be crucified with him, and the execution detail of the Roman soldiers began its slow journey down the Via Dolorosa, a very place that I've walked myself. And in spite of his efforts, the weight of that cross, the wooden cross beam, combined with the amount of loss and just the not being had any kind of rest, it caused Jesus to stumble and fall. And when he did, that's when the Roman soldiers grabbed the onlooker, Simon of Cyrene, to carry his cross. So Jesus walked slowly behind him, and his blood was still flowing from his body. Finally, they reached their destination, Golgotha, the place of the skull. And it was here in that place that the crucifixion began. I, when I went to Israel, had an opportunity sit in the place called Golgotha. I saw pictures of the way it used to be. I've shown it to the church. I don't know if they remember this or not. But it literally looks like a skull. It looked like a skull. And that's where Jesus was to be crucified. First, Jesus was mercilessly hurled back upon the cross. Then the Romans stretched out his arms and began to, to, to drive the heavy wrought iron nails through his hands and into that wooden beam of the cross. Then the left foot was pressed back against the right foot and they drove nails through that as well. Finally, the cross with Jesus nailed to it was picked up 
thrust into the ground. Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, was now crucified. How could they do that to my Jesus? He was innocent. He had never done anything wrong. He operated out of a heart of pure love and compassion and mercy and goodness. How could they do that to my Jesus? But then I looked and I saw the one who spat in his face. I saw the one who punched him over and over again. I saw the one who mercilessly beat him with a whip 39 times. I saw the one who beat him with a rod. I saw the one who drove the nails through his hands and feet. I saw the one who did all of this. And he was me. He was me. I was the one who clenched my fist and punched him in the face. I was the one who gripped that whip in my hand and brought it down upon his back 39 times. I was the one who grabbed the hammer and nailed him to the cross. You might ask, how could that possibly be? Because of every sin I have ever committed and for every sin I ever will commit. Friends, Jesus went through what he went through, not because of his own sins, but because of mine, because of yours, because of yours. It was our sins that put Jesus on that cross. It was our sins that drove the nails through his hands and feet, our sins. But hear me now, even though you and I are the ones who put him on the cross, do you understand he still didn't have to go through all that he went through? He said that he could, could have called down legions of angels to protect him and deliver him. And as we saw when those soldiers first showed up there in the Garden of Gethsemane and asked him if he was Jesus, and he replied, I am, the power of God released at that point sent them falling to the ground. So why would he go through what he went through? Why did he allow himself to be scourged, mocked, spit upon, and then nailed to the cross? Why? Because of the great love, the great love with which he loves me. I got into two. I'm sorry. I got into my shower. I don't remember the length of time back. I had already been thinking about my, the Easter message. It was one of those times I don't even know how else to express it. I had a vision of Jesus going through all that he went through. And every step of the way, I saw him with the thorns being thrust upon his, that crown of thorns being thrust upon his head. And I heard him say, because of the love that I love you with. I saw him being whipped with that cat of nine tails. And him saying, because of the love that I, the great love with which I love you. Everything, the nailing to the cross, because of the great love that I love you with, did all that for me. Hallelujah. Whew. You see, the Bible tells us that all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So all of us, because we have all sinned, deserve death. But that's where Jesus comes in. He went to the cross and he died there. And he took upon himself the full brunt of the judgment we deserved. He, he became sin with our sins so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It literally means we have a right standing with Almighty God now because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Friends, Jesus loves you so much. And there's probably no greater demonstration of that love than when he looked down from that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive Daniel because he doesn't know what he's doing. Even though it was me who put him there, even though it was my sins that drove the nails through his hands and feet, he still forgave me. Oh, what a Savior we serve. That's my Jesus. Now, soon after Jesus prayed for the mercy of those who had put him there on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, God, the Father, had to turn his back on Jesus because Jesus had been made sin with our sins. And sin cannot stand in the presence of a pure and holy God. Are you listening? Finally, Jesus said, it is finished. The atonement for the sins of mankind had been completed. And so with his last breath, Jesus declared, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with those words, Jesus breathed his last and died upon that cross. Now, if that had been the end of the story, we wouldn't be here this morning. We'd all be lost in our sins and our transgressions. But friends, all of that took place on a Friday. Thank God Sundays are coming. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's sleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sundays are coming. It's Friday. Pilate is struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is yelling, crucify him. They don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary is crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They spit in his face. They crown him with thorns, but they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. We see Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood is dripping. His body is stumbling. His spirit is burdened. But you see, it's only Friday and Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The devil and his demons seem to be winning. The people are still sinning and evil is grinning. But it's Friday and Sunday is coming. Amen. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands and feet to the cross. Then they raised him up next to criminals. Friends, it's Friday. But let me tell you, Sundays are coming. Amen. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. The Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know it's only Friday and Sunday is coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. 
Can anybody save him? Oh, but it's Friday and Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles and the sky grows dark as my king yields his spirit to his father. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. Soldiers stand guard and a rock is rolled into place. It's Friday. Hell is celebrating and Satan is laughing. But it's Friday. It's only Friday and Sundays are coming. It's Friday. All hope seems lost. And death and sin seem to have won. But it's only Friday. My friends, Sundays are coming. Thank God it's now Sunday. And the earth begins to quake. The stone is rolled away and the devil starts to quake. It's Sunday and Mary finds the tomb empty. Peter and John find the grave clothes only. And all of creation is now rejoicing. It's Sunday. The plan of redemption has been completed and the authority of man has been restored. It's Sunday and Jesus, the son of the living God, the Alpha and Omega, the Rose of Sharon, the Prince of Peace, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords is alive. He is alive. Woo! It's Sunday. Hell and death have been defeated and the devil's been humiliated. It's Sunday, and now by our faith in Jesus Christ, our sins are washed away, and we can stand before him justified, just as if we had never sinned at all. It's Sunday. Heaven is now our home, and we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's Sunday, and the Lord Jesus has commissioned us to go into all the world and tell others of what he's done for us. Tell others that we're no longer separated from God. Tell others of his love and of his goodness and of his mercy. Oh, friends, it's Easter Sunday. And we're here to remind ourselves of the horrific things that Jesus went through for us. The horrific things that he did for us. And we're here to remind ourselves that he's no longer dead. He's alive and because he lives, we now live with him. We'll live with him forevermore. Glory to God. That's my Jesus. I said, that's my Jesus. Ooh, that's my Jesus. My Jesus isn't dead. My Jesus is alive. Glory to God. He laid down his life for me. He knew the life I was going to be living. He knew the sins I was going to be committing. He did all of that. He knew all of that. And in spite of all of that, he said, Daniel... I love you so much. I'm going to take all of those sins and I'm going to go to that tree. I'm going to die there for you so that you can live with me forever. Amen. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. He is the ultimate man. He's my Jesus. He's my king. He's my Lord. Woo, glory to God, I'm getting happy. See, this is celebration time. Because our God's not dead. I said, our God's not dead. He is alive. Hallelujah. You know, all those other, all those 
those other gods out there with a little g, they're, done, they're, they're gone. They're dead. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they are. It doesn't matter. Our God's not dead. That's what separates Christianity from all of those other groups. Jesus came and died on the cross for you and me, but he did not stay in the tomb. He's alive and he will live forevermore. Amen. And I know he's alive because he's living right here in my heart. Oh, glory to God. So the question then comes down to this. What about you? What about you? This is for those who call upon him. This is for those who make that decision. I need you, Jesus, in my life. What he's done for me, what he's done for a lot of the folks in this room today. He's done for you too. He died on that cross for your sins. For what you've been doing. For what you've done. Do not think that what you've done is greater than what he did. Because the blood he shed is greater than any sin you've ever committed or ever will commit. Are you listening? Hallelujah. It is so easy to become a Christian. That other religions, I don't even, they're so crazy. They make you do all kinds of crazy stuff. In order to become a, a Buddhist or, or a Hinduist or whatever, the, all these other crazy religions that are out there. With Jesus, he already did it all. All we do is receive him into our hearts. We recognize that we are sinners, that we've sinned. And I don't think anybody in here could say, I've never made a mistake in my life. How many have ever lied? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> All of us have. Probably the majority of you have stolen something. Probably the majority of you have done some other stupid stuff. He took all of that. Everything you've ever done wrong. Took it upon himself. He was pure. He was holy. But he took it. So that you wouldn't have to face the judgment due you. The judgment due you was death. The wages of sin is death. But thank you, Jesus. Even though I deserve death, I don't have to have it because of him. I am saved through faith. I become a Christian by my confession of Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter whether your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your best friends have gotten born again. Just because you rub shoulders with them doesn't mean you get to go to heaven. I have heard it said some people believe that you get to go to heaven if you're a United States of American citizen. It's like saying I'm a, I, I, when I stand in a garage, I'm a car because I'm, that's where cars belong. You don't get born again just because you come through a church door. It's a, it's a choice. Every one of you have to make. But can I say this with everything that's in me? It's the greatest decision and choice you'll ever make in your life. There is nothing like this. Because why you are, you are taking yourself out of the kingdom of darkness, out of, uh, out of spiritual death, into the kingdom of God, unto spiritual life. You go from death to life with the confession of Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Can that possibly happen, Pastor Dan? Oh, I promise you it does. Because I stand here today, born again, child of God, preacher of the word of God, because of Jesus. Let's bow our heads. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the word that was brought forth. We thank you for what you did for us on Friday. But glory to God, we're so thankful for Sunday. We're so thankful that you did, you were raised from the dead by the power of the Spirit. And I know now, because of my confession of faith, I am a child of God. Heaven is now my home. And everyone in this room who has made that same quality decision, heaven is now their home. But there may be people in this room today who say, Pastor Dan, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I've never been born again. And I'd like to do that this morning. I'd like to make this decision that you said is the greatest one I can make. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. If I'm speaking to you this morning with eyes closed, nobody looking around, and you say, yes, I want to be born again. I want to know when I leave this earth, which we all will eventually, that I'm going to go to heaven. If I'm speaking to you and you want to receive Jesus into your heart, I just want you to slide a hand up. I'm not here to embarrass you. Be bold about it. Just slide your hand up right now. Anybody in this room, you're not sure. You're not sure. Now's the time. Now's the time. Or you would say, Pastor Dan, I haven't received Jesus into my heart, but I surely haven't been living for him. And I want to get back into right standing with him. I want to come back to the Father's house. If I'm speaking to you on this occasion, and you want to get right with God, even though you are born again, and you want to get right with him, just slide a hand up. Anybody in this room, I see that hand going up. Anybody else would say, that's me. Anybody else? Come on, be bold about it. I see that hand. Anyone else would say, that's me. Right now, come on, be bold about it. Be bold about it. There's others in this room I sense need to raise their hands. I'm not going to force the issue. But now is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. Don't be like those who think they can wait. And then whatever, something happens, an accident or whatever the case might be, they step off into eternity and have not made that quality decision. Anyone else say, that's me. I want to know when I, when I leave from this planet, I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to heaven. A couple hands have been raised. Anybody else in here? Come on, be bold about it. Be bold about it. Be bold about it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want everybody to look up at me. A couple hands went up. So we're going to pray. And this is what we like to do in here. If you don't feel comfortable, please, you don't have to do it. But we like to raise our hands as a church family and pray. And for everybody that raised their hand, pray this prayer from your heart. Don't pray it like a parrot will repeat somebody. Pray it from your heart. God knows what's, how you're praying. He, he, he'll, know, he'll know exactly whether you're being serious or not. But let's all raise our hands right now. And I want you to say this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to the earth, for laying down your life for my sins. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior right now. And I believe by this confession of faith, heaven is now my home. I belong to you. Almighty God, thank you for your mercy extended to my life. I am a child of God. I'm excited because I know when I leave, I'm going to be with Jesus.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. Woo, glory to God.